0: Judges chapter 7. We've been studying or been going through a series of sermons on Gideon. Now Gideon's a very interesting guy. I love Gideon. And uh, now verse 7, chapter 7, chapter 7, verse 1 of Judges. Gideon is about to get that army together. He's about to defeat God's enemies. He's about to be sent by God to defeat God's enemies. Then Jeroboam, who is Gideon, That's another name for Gideon, Jeroboam. And all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Mara in the valley. So they're about to go to battle, and here comes uh, Gideon with all his men. And verse 2, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath... Save me. God straight out tells Gideon, see all these you brought all these men? He goes, That's too many. Because if I let you win the battle, if I let if I win the battle for you and you have that many people fighting on your side, you're gonna think you're the one that done it, and you're not gonna realize I'm the one that done it. We got to get rid of some of these men. And that's what we're gonna go through this morning. We're gonna go through there's three different threes God's gonna do in these sets of scriptures. There's three wants that God has. There's three tries that God's going to give you, and there's 300. Three wants, three tries, and three hundreds. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me. There's three, the Lord has three wants. The Lord has three wants. The Lord, The first one is, he says there's too many for me. The Lord wants to tell a great story. The Lord loves to tell a great story, and he wants to tell a great story. And that's what the Lord's into. The Lord's into great stories. There's anything about this Bible. This Bible's full of great stories, and uh, it, it's stories that you can't have an equal battle. You can't have. Well, he, they have a little bit more than we'd have, and we just no. The Lord wants to tell a miraculous story. He wants to tell a great story. And in Psalms ch- chapter ninety verse nine, the Bible says that our life is nothing but a tale that is told. That's your life. Your life is a tale that's told. Your life is nothing but a tale. And at the end of the, at your life, are you going to look back and it's like, what are my grandkids? What are my sons, my daughter? What do they have to say about my life? Is it just kind of a boring life? They don't have any tales to tell on it? Or do you have anything that, that's going to glorify Jesus Christ in your life? Anything that's going to glorify God in your life? Or is it just... Another life that comes and goes and you go out to the cemetery and there you are and there's, there's a little marker and it has your date and it has your birth and there's that little dash in there and that's, that's your life right there. What, 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 God wants to tell a great story. That's the second one. What God wants to do is He wants to tell a great story and He wants to use you to do it. Amen. That's, what's make, that's what makes God so amazing. He wants to use you to tell this great story. But will you let Him use you? Will you let him use you? Will you let him use your hands, your feet, your mouth? See, Jesus Christ is up in heaven. He's on the right hand of God. Today, Christians, you're God's feet. You're Jesus Christ's hands. You're Jesus Christ's face. Your greatest testimony is not what what you say. Your greatest testimony is what you do lots and lots of people talk. They talk, 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 and they talk about God, God bless you, and this, that, and another, and God, this, that, and another, but nobody's listening to what's coming out of your mouth as you're yapping. They're looking at what you're doing, how you're acting. How you're acting when you're going through what you're going through. How you're acting when times get tough. How you really, how you, people who work with you know how you really are. And that, you want to know how a man really is? Talk to the guys he works with. That's it. You'll find out the real man. And the point, the point is, is that God wants to use you, and he wants to use you to tell a great story. I think Francis Assisi, he said, Preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Use words. What that means is you need to show the gospel in your actions. There's lots of Christians that talk, and they get up on the internet. No, God bless you. We're going to have a wonderful day. God gave us such a wonderful day. But then you look at their actions when they're in Walmart. You look at the way they act, the way they conduct themselves. You can't tell them from any other person in the world. You can't tell them. But God wants to use you. He wants to use you to tell a good story, and he wants to tell this story, and he wants to get all the glory. God God wants to use you, wants to use you to tell a story, and God, the Lord God, wants to be the one to get all the glory. Verse 2, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites in their hands. Why? Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand had saved me. That's some characteristic about God that we need to understand. Everybody, it don't matter if you're a Christian or not, you need to understand about the Lord God. He doesn't want to share his glory with anyone. Period. He doesn't like anybody sharing his glory. He doesn't want anybody to get the glory. That's why you know the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord God manifest in the flesh. Does he want Jesus Christ to get the glory? Yes. Why? Because he's God. That's God manifest into Jesus Christ. That's why. That's how you can know that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. It's because he wants Jesus to get the glory. And he'll tell you, I'm not going to share it with anybody else. Look at Isaiah, Isaiah 42. I'm not going to just run my mouth. I'll show you the scripture where God says it. Isaiah 42, verse 8. Isaiah 42, verse 8. God doesn't want you to get the glory. Yeah, He wants to tell a great story with your life, but it's a story that's going to glorify Him. That's why so many people don't want to do it. It's it's not about you winning a Super Bowl, or you doing great, or you being successful at work. That's not the kind of story God wants to tell. God wants to tell a story where He gets the glory. And sometimes that takes you not getting the glory. Sometimes that takes you being at the bottom of the rung. Sometimes that takes you not having the job that you want. Sometimes that takes you not having the house that you want, the car that you want, the the bank account that you want. Sometimes that takes God using you in a way that you're not expecting. But He wants to tell that story, and let me tell you, it's going to be a great story, but God's the only one that's going to get the glory. He's the only one. Look at Isaiah 42, look at Isaiah 42 verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. That's it right there. He's not going to share his glory. You can't make Jesus Christ and God separate. You can't separate them out. That's why we know it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. They're three and they're one. They all three get the glory. But it's through Jesus Christ, and God gives the glory to Jesus Christ. You know that Jesus Christ is God because he's given the glory through Jesus Christ. Man, you know that God is the only one who's going to get the glory, and he's the only one that deserves the glory. <laughs> he, you know, say, well, if I do this, I deserve the glory. You're using God's breath you're using God's body, you're using God's blood that's pumping through your veins, you're using God's heart that He created for you, you're using God's earth that He give you, you don't get any glory, He gets all the glory. And when you wake up and start realizing, I'm living in a created universe, and I'm a created being, and I've got a creator, that He's going to get all my glory, and if I don't give it to Him, woe be unto me. Woe be unto me. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. You're not going to get the glory. You're not going to get the glory. God's the only one that gets the glory. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. God's the only one that gets the glory. God's the only one that deserves the glory. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Very famous set of scriptures. And the reason why they're famous is because it's so true, and it's it's simply put in these couple of verses here, everything a Christian needs to know, for by grace are you saved through faith. You're saved by God's grace. It's your faith you put in Jesus Christ, and that not, not, not of yourselves, it's not your baptism, it's not what you're doing, it's not anything you can do. It's all through God giving it to you. It is the gift of God. Salvation is God giving you something that you don't deserve. That's what grace means. He just gives it to you. Well, why would God do it that way? Why wouldn't God make me work and work and work and climb a mountain and start a temple and go up there on the highest mountain and pray to Him? Why doesn't God make me do that? Because of verse 9. Not of works. Climbing a mountain, getting baptized. Not doing this, doing that. Not of works. Why? Lest any man should boast. Amen. He's not going to let you get up into heaven and say, well, you know, he, you know, God got a pretty good deal when he got me. He's not going to let you get to heaven and say, you know, I, I was pretty good down there, and I, you know, I did this for God. I, no, no, no. If you're a good Christian, when you get to heaven, you're going to see the glory of God, and you're going to say, there he is right there. Praise God, I don't deserve to be here. Yeah. Man, everything I did for that guy right up there. I can't wait to get close to throw my face, and myself at the feet of that Lord God right there. I can't wait. That's why we do everything we do for God. It's because we don't want to boast. It's because he's given us that free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Look at Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to show you another one. Hey, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ plus Nothing. And he's the only one that gets the glory, and he's the only one that should be getting the glory out of a Christian's life. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, And whatsoever you do, whatever it is you do, whatsoever you do, in word, if you're talking out of your mouth, or in deed, whatever you're doing in your body, do all in the name, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. You're thanking God by giving it the glory to Jesus Christ. It's it's a line. It's a direct line to God. You're going through. It's the Holy Spirit going through you, going to Jesus Christ, giving him the glory. It goes back up to God. He gets the glory. He's the only one that's going to get the glory. That's one of the three wants that God wants to do. He wants to tell a great story. He wants to use you to do it. And he's going to to be the one to get the glory. That, that, That end of that's what kicks people. Back in Judges 7, the end of that's what kicks people. Is they don't like that God gets the glory. The devil don't like that God gets the glory. The devil wants to get the glory. The devil doesn't think God deserves the glory. The devil wants to take that. You know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants to himself to get the glory. He wants to get the glory. And he doesn't deserve it. And if there's a man or a woman underneath the time of my voice that they want the glory, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. Any human, I don't care if they're winning a, a Little League Baseball game or winning a Super Bowl champion in the NFL, they should always be giving God the glory because it's by the grace of God that he allows them and gives them the gifts they have, gives them the breath they have, gives them the blood, the heart, everything they have. To create. He's created everything. We do everything, and it's to God, to give God the glory. The Bible says in Revelation, you know why you were created? To please God. <laughs> you are created for him. And it should scare you that you are created to please him. What do you mean by that, Brother Keegan? What if it pleases him for you to go to hell? What if it's a pleasure, it pleases him that he doesn't want you around him? What if it pleases him to do something bad to you? That's why it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You need to be thinking, God, you're my creator, and you can take my breath right now. Yeah. So when you wake up in the morning, you need to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this another day. I'm able to get up, Lord. Thank you for another day. How can I do to pray? What can I do to praise you? What what kind of story can you tell through my life? Amen. We were talking before we got going this morning, uh, the brother in this church, and we were talking about how uh, through a situ- situation, circumstances that God made a divine appointment. And as a pastor, I see divine appointments happen in people's lives all the time, and they're so blind they don't see it. Amen. What's the odds of, of me preaching a sermon? Of A certain type of sermon on a certain type of day for, for being the first time a person walks in that church, that being the time, they walk in that church that very night when we, when we have the least amount of people, they're the ones that walk in that very night for that sermon that the Lord gave me to preach at that time. Oh, it's just coincidence. Yeah, go kid your mama. It's not coincidence. I, w- I started out here, uh, out here at Indian Gap and I remember when I started out here in Indian Gap, the Lord gave me a message on the prodigal son for young men. Now, if you look out there at our congregation, we don't have just a lot of young men. And at that time, we really didn't have a lot of young men. I mean, uh, we didn't have anybody under the age of 40 probably except for me. And I remember looking at this sermon, I'm like, Lord, why did you, and this is a, a sermon about a young man, and it was, it was four young men, and I'm looking, all these retired men are out there, and I remember, I got up, and I walked around, I got ready to preach, and here, the back door opens up, and I look up, and the back door opens up, and three young men come in, I've never seen them before in my life, they came in and sat at the very back of the church. <laughs> and I was like... Here we go. <laughs> Here we go, God. Are hey, you going to tell a good story with this one? Wham! And I became the best friends with those, that family, with, their, with, uh, with, uh, with those kids. They, they, were, they were visiting. They were at a ranch. They were visiting this area, and they just wanted to go to church. And they came in, and God had prepared a sermon for them. Amen. God loves to tell a good story, but you've got to let him. You've got to be there. You've got to be available. Amen. The best ability is availability. Amen. The best ability is availability. Look at verse uh, Gideon, uh, Judges chapter seven. We're at verse two. Look at verse three. Now, therefore, go to. And this is God still speaking to Gideon. Go to. Proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And the return of the people twenty and two thousand, and the remain ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So what God does is He takes 32,000 men that have gone with Gideon, and He says, That's too many. 32,000 is way too many. And He says to them, Verse, in the middle of verse 4, I'm going to try them. So this is the three tries. I give you the three wants of God. In verse 2, he's got three wants he wants to do. Now we're going to look at the three tries. A try in a sense of he's going to try you, put you on trial. He's going to see if you, you pass the test is what I mean by try. Look at the first try. It's found in the middle of verse 3. Middle of verse 3. The first try. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart. The Lord's going to try your courage. God says, hey, tell these men, these 32,000 men, whichever one of you are afraid or fearful or don't want to go, just go back home. So the Lord wants to tell a good story. He wants to use you to tell it. He's going to get all the glory, but the main thing he wants to try you with, the first thing he wants to find out, are you ready? Are are you courageous enough to do this? Are you courageous enough to do this? Are you afraid? Are you afraid of what people are going to think about you? Are you afraid of what people are going to say about you? Because they're going to. Don't kid yourself, they're going to. They're going to talk bad about you behind your back. They're going to call you a Jesus freak. They're going to call you a Bible thumper. They're going to say, you lost your mind. He's he's lost his mind. I saw him, I saw him carrying a Bible. I think he's lost his mind. And they can see you carrying a six pack and say, oh look at that boy's having a good old time, isn't he? They see you carrying a Bible, it's like you got a sword in your hand. Oh yeah. what you got over there? What's your He's gonna bring that in the house. I think you want to scare somebody? Just go to and when they come to knock on your door. I don't know if it's a Jehovah's Witness or a salesman or whatever. They come knocking on your door. Open up your door with a big old Bible in your hand. Yes, may I help you? no, no it's okay. I don't need nothing. I don't need nothing. You'd be better than to open up with a shotgun. People are scared of this book. And if, if you've got the courage to do what God wants to do with your life, he's going to do some amazing things. But you've got to have the courage first. And he says there, if, if there's any that's fearful or afraid, let him return and depart. Now, why would God say that? Why would God do that? Well, in Deuteronomy 28, he tells you why. If, you, if you're going to turn with me, just turn back a couple pages to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8. He'll tell you why he does that. There's a, re- there's a reason why he does that. There's a reason. Deuteronomy chapter 20. Verse 8. Being courageous for the Lord. They're going to talk bad about you. They're going to make fun of you. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8. Now, God's given uh, Moses these, the orders for when they're going out for military service. This is like military service orders in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8. This is what God tells Moses. And the officer, officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Who's afraid? Let him go and return unto his house. Why, God? Lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. Your fear is going to rub off on other people. So God says, hey, if you're afraid, if this isn't something that's for you, then go back home. Because when you're afraid, it's going to rub off on other people. That's what's going on in America right now a COVID, COVID-19, what if, you if, 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 what do I They're opening it too soon, To open it too soon, To open it too soon. I'm hearing this from grown men. Grown men. Grown men are telling me this. They're opening this too soon, they're opening this too soon. And I finally said to one of them, I said, then stay home. I'm not making fun of you about being afraid or not, but I'm, like God says, then if you're afraid, go home. I got work to do. I'm talking about not just in a spiritual sense, I'm talking about in America in a physical sense. There's work to do in America. There's people that need to get some jobs done. There's things that need to get done. Now if you're afraid, stay home. But let leave me alone cuz I got some work to do. Cuz when you're it's rubbing off on everybody else. <laughs> And I, I'm not. I'm trying not to make fun of you, but I'm saying, use some common sense say, you know what, I, I don't want to be here. Okay, well then get gone. See, so, you know, and that, that's what I deal with with the church. People come into the church, like, well, I don't like this church. Okay, love you, go find another church. God bless you. This church isn't for everybody. I hope you find another church. God has your church. God bless you. Well, well, I, well I thought you'd try to make me stay. I don't want to, Well, I want to make you stay. You don't want to be here. I had a call, well, uh, my lesbian daughter wouldn't feel comfortable in your church. Well, I hope she wouldn't. <laughs> I, you know, she wouldn't feel comfortable. Why, why would she? Yeah. I wouldn't feel comfortable in a gay bar. You know, you want me to go in a gay bar? Hey, all y'all, y'all stop acting gay. I don't feel comfortable. Y'all stop acting gay. I don't feel comfortable. You think I would do that? <laughs> Come on, guys. You know, why do you think I should let lesbian in here and say, oh, you don't feel comfortable? Okay, I'll change the way I preach. You know what? I, t- I don't like this in the Word of God. I'll just rip this page out. And let me rip this page out. It don't work that way. No. If you don't like it, God says, go home. Yes. Just, just go home. I'm, I'm not making fun of you. I'm not ridiculing you. I'm just telling you the plain facts. If you're afraid, then skedaddle. Because God's doing some stuff here, and we're trying to do some stuff for him, and we're trying to let him work through us, and we got some work to do. And just like Gideon said, uh, God, what are you doing here? I'm just going to let you do it, because I can't do it. Just go on home if you can't handle it. So are you courageous enough? Are you courageous enough? Fear feeds other people's fear. But courage feeds other people's courage. If you're courageous and you want to do something for God, you're going to inspire other people to want to be doing something for God and be courageous. It helps. Amen. And if, you're, if you start dropping the ball and if you start, stop living for God and you don't want to do anything for God, then stop coming to church. Amen. We don't need you in the church rubbing off. You know, sometimes that's why I think we have a small congregation. God's, God's doing a great thing. And you get, the more people you get, the more mess you get. Amen. The bigger mess you get. The bigger mess you get. He doesn't want you afraid. Because you've got to be courageous because people are going to make fun of you. Now i got this. I'm going to read this if I can find it. I, got, I, got, I couldn't believe this. This is what you've got, you, you got to look forward to if you try to live for God. This guy named Doug Tenaple. He's a cartoonist. He, he's created uh, TV shows. He created a video game years ago called Earthworm Jim. This guy is, is a creator. He's that just wacky kind of guy. But he's a very, very devout Christian. And he goes on the Internet and he says stuff that really makes people mad at him. He talks against abortion. He talks about against marriage, uh, homosexual marriage. And he has he has homosexual friends, but he talks against this stuff. And he, he quotes the Bible. And man, they don't like him. Well, he got skin cancer. Very severe skin cancer. They had to go and do all this operation. He said, I asked, I wish y'all guys would pray for me. Well, he got the test results back, and it ter- turned out this is what he said: skin's cancer results are in, and it's all good news. No spread to the lymph nodes. Zero melanoma found. Uh, God is good. Thank you for all your prayers and well wishes. That's all he put on the internet. This is what he got from the atheist. Uh, I don't want to be that guy. Because I know there's a lot of lynch mobs out there. But, why are we really, why, but are we really thanking God for this? Wasn't there other people involved? This is what he had to say back. It's a much longer conversation about how God's plan can work through the free will of people. He is glorified by the skilled hands of doctors and nurses. Technology well applied, even well wishes of atheists. God gets a glory, he says. Giving cr- God credit is acknowledging his power over all. Amen. Well, they won't leave that alone. Amen. Yet you went to a doctor. This guy, another guy comes and chimes in and another atheist. This is, this is the same guy. Another atheist comes in and says, yeah, well, you went to the doctor anyway. He said, I also turn, and this is Doug's response, I also turn on the tap when I drink of water. I mean, I could pray to a sky genie, but I assume doctors and faucets are part of his way, God's way. He made them. He made doctors and he made faucets. Miracles don't circumvent the marvel of a normal day. You're living in a miracle every day, brothers and sisters. It's a life is a miracle that science cannot explain. You're a miracle. There's nobody who's living today that's not a miracle of God, and God wants to use you. I don't care what if you're a big person, little person, short person, black, uh, brown, yellow, purple. God has created you just the way you are, and He wants to use you and tell a great tale through you. You're special in every way. And this guy comes by another guy, totally different atheist. This is what it said: You assume gender also. I don't think that's a part of her way. Be better. Are you courageous enough to put up with this nonsense? That's what you're going to put up with. You know, God, he's good. Don't assume that it's a he. That's that's what you get from these people. This is what Doug said. Doug's a smart aleck like me. She commands you to read and follow her book rather than be obsessed with this week's optional intersectional mandate. So this guy says, I've read her book. It takes a village clearly to state." states that intersectional mandates are not optional. And then he said, this is what Doug says in the end. The scriptures were written by God where he refers to himself as him and you deliberately misgendered a God. He's making fun of them. Because that's what the whole thing is. Don't misgender, don't misgender, don't misgender. He said, hey, you just misgendered God. Don't call him a her. It's a he. He calls himself a he. he Used his own words again. Are you courageous enough to put up with that? See, they'll get on the internet and they'll do that to you. But now they're getting brave. They'll do that to your face. They're starting to do that to, because they're getting braver and braver. Guys, God says, this isn't, nope, God never promised you this is going to be easy. But it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great, but he didn't say it's going to be easy. If you're afraid of this stuff, go on home. But if you'll stay here, you're going to see some amazing stuff. Amen. Go going to see some amazing stuff. All right, let's see what the next thing he wants to show us is. The Lord said unto Gideon, because he went from 22,000 down to 10,000. All right? It went from 32,000. He lost 22,000 down to 10,000. That's a lot of loss right there. And then the Lord said, verse 4, and the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Don't you know Gideon's like, are you crazy? Okay, I've got 32,000 men that are willing to follow me to battle. And then now you're telling me, get rid of those. What are you crazy? And then I get rid of them, now I only have 10,000. The Lord says, oh, that's still too many. You know, Gideon's like, Good Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? it's, it's, that's how God works. It don't make sense. It's not going to make sense to you. You just stay in it, and then God will show you at the end. But it's just like Gideon's finding out, man, what God does doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes. But he does it anyway. Bring them down. Verse 4. The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And whomsoever I shall say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So here's the test. Here's the second test. The try. Verse 5. Verse 5. So he brought down the people unto the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, everyone that, that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that, drink, that bowed down upon his knees to drink, and the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that, I lapped, that lapped, will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go, every man to his place. Now, man... What we got going on here? Well, God says go down to that water. He goes and I want you to watch. Tell everybody get a drink of water. He goes everybody that gets down on their knees and gets down like this and starts drinking that water. He goes I want you to mark them off. But if you got a man that'll take a water and dip his hand in it like this and put his hand to and see he's still looking up. So what God's going to try you with is with your dedication. God wants to try your dedication. Are you dedicated? Because the men that get down on their knees and they're drinking water, bow down on their knees, they're not paying attention. They're they're thinking about one thing themselves, their flesh. How can I get water for me? It's about me, 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 water for me. They've let their flesh take control. And God says, see that man that's taking that water and he's lapping it up like a dog? He's looking. He knows knows he's got to drink some water, but he's got his eye on the prize. He's looking for the enemy. God's going to test your dedication. Are you dedicated enough? Are you dedicated enough? To work for the Lord means you have to deny your flesh. You've got to tell yourself no. And that's the hardest thing about living a Christian life. And doing something really great for God is you're going to have to give up a lot for God. Give it up. And Jesus Christ warned you and promised you some great promises. Anybody who gives up land or houses for my name. We'll receive those abundant promise. He's going, you'll get, you're going to get all that stuff and get it more back. But you've got to give it up first. And God's waiting to see if you'll do it. We've got all these men and women on this wall right here, all our missionaries. And uh, every one of them I know have sold their houses and have moved off to go to whatever country they're going to. They just give up everything. Some of them give up family members just to be able to go over to a foreign country to preach Jesus Christ. Just give it all up. And Go. That's why we say that missionaries are the real deal, because they've shown where their heart's at. Amen. They've shown where their heart's at. That's dedication. Are you ready? Are you alert? These men were alert. They weren't down on their knees, pleasing the flesh, letting the flesh do whatever it wants to do. They had it up, and they were ready. They were alert. They had their eyes open. God said, see those guys right there with their eyes? They're alert. They're ready. They're thinking. They're thinking of the task at hand. God wants us to always be thinking of the task at hand. What's a task for a Christian to spread the gospel? He, always want, he wants us, when we go into a store, we don't see people sitting in a grocery line. We see souls either going to heaven or hell. You're seeing, When you go into Walmart and you see all these people around there, uh, they want you to be afraid and fearful and keep your social distance. But God, he looks on there and he sees souls that he's bled and died for on the cross of Calvary. He died for that one, and he died for that one, and he died for that one. And are they going? The task at hand, the task at hand is not for us just to be pleasing our flesh, but, well, i got to feed myself, Brother Kegan. yeah, you got to feed yourself. But when you go into the grocery store to buy groceries, maybe you can think of Jesus Christ and hand a track out, leave a gospel track. Actually talk to somebody, invite them to church, tell them about Jesus Christ. Hey, are you dedicated? That's the one God wants. Because he's going to tell a great story with you. But there's dedication. He's going to try your dedication. He says, lead them down into the water. God sometimes will lead you into situations he wants to test you to see if you're going to be dedicated or not. You've got an opportunity. Are you going to take the right, make the right choice or make the wrong choice? He's got to find out. He's given you a free will. He's not going to make you. He's given you the free will and are you going to do it? It's Dedication. Are you dedicated enough? I was reading a story about Charles Finney, and Charles Finney was a great, uh, became a lawyer, and he's about to become a great lawyer. And he's sitting, in, he's sitting in there, he just finished law school, and he's sitting in his office. He's about to open up his law office, and God spoke to him. He said, what now? He said, well, I'm about to open this law office up. What then? <laughs> well, I'm going to get rich. What then? I'm going to retire. What then? I'll die. And then he said there was a pause, and Charles Feeney said, just as clear as day, what then? Yeah. Judgment. Yeah. Judgment. What then? See, we just we get into this world, and we're like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going go to go work, and I'm going to work 20-something years, and then I'm going to retire, and then I'm going to go across the country, I'll get me an RV, and then we got all these plans, and God's saying, what then? What then? If I could just have this house, I'd be happy. And you get the house of your dreams, and God says, now what? What then? Well, well Then, then I'm gonna get the, I'll get a swimming pool, and it'll be the greatest swimming pool. And you get the swimming pool, then what then? See, it's never enough. This flesh, you can never please this flesh. And if you have the courage and the dedication to tell it no, God will tell a great story to your life. But you've got to be Dedicated you got to be dedicated. I like, I like that God says there in verse 5, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth. That's the one God chose. The ones that act like dogs. Doesn't that make you feel good? <laughs> the ones that act like dogs, God said, that's the one I want. Can you be God's dog? Mm. You know what I know about a dog? It's loyal. Very loyal. I've seen some owners be mean to their dogs, kick their dogs, do all kinds of things to their dog, and that dog just comes right back over to them. Man, can you be God's dog when you feel like you've been kicked? When you feel like God's kicked you, you feel like God's done something wrong to you, you feel like God's done something I don't deserve, can you still be loyal enough like a dog and say, well, I'm going to just tuck my tail between my legs and go back to him, because where else am I going to go? He's my master. One thing I know about a dog is he's obedient. Man, I've seen dogs do some amazing things. You see owners, hey, you know, dogs dog just jump, do this, that, and the other. I'm like, man, I, could, I couldn't even do that, you know. And that dog Yeah, so obedient. And thirdly, about a dog, he's ready to go. He's ready to go. You know, I'm finding out a lot about, you know, I've always grew up around some dogs, but we had not had a dog in the house in 20-something years, and my son, moved around back in the house and everything, he brings his dog around. And, of course, my wife, she's not a big dog person. I'm a dog person. I like the dog, so I get a kick out of the dog, but I like to watch that dog and what that dog does and how that dog acts. And when my son comes in the house, and that dog will be all over me like I'm the greatest granddad of all time. I dog just oh, yeah, 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 And my son says, hey, let's go. And that dog just he don't care about me no more. <laughs> oh, I thought you loved me. And that dog just Hey, sometimes God will just show up in your life and you'll be running along and everything will be going out. All of a sudden God'll show him and say, Hey, let's go. Come on, I got something for you. Let's go. God says, I want the dog. Loyal, obedient, and ready to go. Jump in the back of the truck, let's go. Where are we going? Dog don't know. Dog just have his head out there, you know tail wagging, ears flapping, happy as it can be. Why is that dog so happy? Because he's with his master. The reason why the dog's loyal and obedient and ready to go because he just wants to be around his master and he wants to please his master. Can you say this morning that Jesus Christ is my master? Or is he just somebody you've heard about? I hope you can say he's my master. If he wants me to go, I'm going to put everything down and go. He'll tell a great story with you. He'll tell a great story with you, but you've got to be courageous and you got to be willing to be dedicated. And lastly, lastly, he wants to try your faith. So he's going to try your courage. He's going to try your dedication. And then lastly, verse 7, he's going to try your faith. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that lapped, lapped like a dog, will I save you? and deliver the mediates into that hand, and let all the other peoples go, every man unto his own place. Wow. So the people took victuals in their hand, and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man unto to his tent. It went from 32,000 men, you got 300 men. Don't you know those 300 men are looking at each other with Gideon and saying, oh my God, it's, we're, it's lambs to the slaughter, we're going to be killed. What does it take for those 300 men to stay there when all the other ones have left? What does it take? It's going to take faith. That's what God wants out of you. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Amen. the Bible tells us. You've got to have faith. So the last try he's going to do, he's gave you the three wants, now he's going to give you three tries. The last try, the trial, the try is your faith. Because you're not always going to understand it. You're not always going to know what's going on. You're not always going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're not always going to see the healing that you prayed for. You're not always going to, not going to see the stuff. I've been a Christian for 20-odd, almost 30 years now. And I've seen a lot of stuff that God just said, no, I'm not doing it. (laughs) I pray and pray and pray and beg and beg and beg and beg and beg and pray and pray and fast and give up things and do what I can to get God's attention. And it's a simple no. Sometimes it's not faith having enough faith to believe that God can heal somebody. It's having faith to believe When he doesn't heal somebody, keeping the faith, keeping the faith. Sometimes I wonder, we pray and pray and pray, and Lord, heal them up, Lord, heal them up, Lord, heal them up, and then they don't get healed up, and maybe they go on to be with Jesus Christ in heaven. And we're like, oh, God didn't heal them up. Well, you big dummy, (laughs) what's the biggest healing God could give somebody? A new body, a new, up in heaven, no sorrow, no pain. God gave them the ultimate healing. That's the true healing. If we're honest, are you living by faith or are you living in the world? In the world, you're saying, see, they didn't get healed. The atheists say, see, you prayed and God didn't answer the prayer. God answered the prayer in a miraculous way. You just can't see it yet. And now I'm 20-something years removed from my mother being took from me by the Lord. And at that time, I'm like, why did God take my mother? Why did God take my mom? 20 years now, I look back and say, oh, thank God he took my mother. She don't have to look at all the trash that's on TV. She don't have to deal with all the nonsense, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the heartache. She's in a lot better place than I could ever put her. She's a lot happier, a lot joy. She's getting to see Jesus Christ face to face. Would I want to change that not for your not the, for a million bucks? Amen. But I prayed for her, and I prayed for healing. Yes. And I thought God was saying no. And God in the sweetest, most graceful way was saying yes. I'll heal her. Up. I'll heal her up like you can never imagine. There's no doctor on earth can heal her up like I'm about to do. Just watch this. And I sit and I see her body laying in that that coffin. I say, man, she's in a better place. She's in a better, better place. Praise the Lord. We got such a, a, a faithful God. But he tries us. And we don't understand it. But he's going to do a great miracle. You've got to keep the faith, brothers and sisters, because look at verse 12. And I'm about to close. Look at verse 12. All the way down, you want to see what they're about to face? These 300 men, here's what it says about the, the army they're about to face in verse 12. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east, all of them, lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. <laughs> These 300 men, they get up over the top of the hill and they look down and it's like the sands of the sea for people. And they're like, whoa! And God says, you see all that? You're, I'm about to destroy them. And I will save you. See that verse 7? By the 300 men that lapped, will I save you? Amen. <laughs> Who's getting the glory? Not those 300 men. God's going to make sure there's nobody say, man, that's a miraculous 10,000-man army. Look how powerful that 10,000. No, no, no. They're so well-trained, those 10,000 men. No, no. God said, that's not enough. We're going to make it 300. It will be impossible. And man does say, that's impossible. You know what Jesus Christ taught us? Yeah, with man, that is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. <laughs> You've got to believe. You've got to put your faith in him. What I've noticed about the few numbers, you got 300 men, is God works in little things. God works in little details. I see God in little things. And God loves to use little things to do great things because they get all the glory. You know that works? This is, military, uh, this is a military sermon here, amen? This is about the military. This is about a war. This is about a fight. This is about getting together some men that are ready to fight. And what I know about the military is it's the smaller groups in the military that are the best and the most dedicated. You start with the army, and then you want to get the most dedicated, you're going to get down there to the rangers. Start in the navy, you're going to get down there to the seals. It's that small group. And the smaller the group, the better they are, the better trained they are, right? And the more dedicated they are. And it's harder to find them. So I think God will come into a little church like this and say, yeah, I see, I see what kind of numbers they have in here. Yeah, watch this. <laughs> I'm going to do some work, great work through that church. And said, well, it's just a little bitty old church. Yeah, but see, we can't get the glory, right? This bald-headed preacher can't get the glory. Nobody in here can get the glory. How's God doing this? How's this happening? It's through God. It's God. Amen, it's God. He gets the glory. I remember old, uh, Chad Reese came in, man. He was visiting. He got to looking over at that wall and all those missionaries. He said, how much are you, you supporting them a month? And I told him how much he's supporting them a month. And he looked over there, and I think we had like 12 people in the church. And he looked over at that wall, and I could see what it was going on. He was using his fingers, and he's counting up, you know. And he's like, uh, how are you doing that? <laughs> Talking about the money. I mean, practically. In the flesh. He's saying, when you put pen to paper, it don't add up. And what I told him is, I don't know. And the next thing I told him, God. Amen. He gets the glory. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, Lord God. And Father, we don't deserve anything that you do for us. And Father, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice, Father, that they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, maybe they're sitting out there, Lord God, and they don't know if they were to die tonight, Lord God, they'd go to heaven or hell, Lord. But Father, you give them a promise in your word, Lord, if they would call out to you, that you would save them. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that uh, as we go through the rest of this invitation, Father God, that you would work on their heart through the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Father, if there's a, member out there, Lord, maybe a Christian, Lord God, that they don't feel like they've been courageous enough, Lord. Maybe they don't feel like they've been dedicated enough, Lord. Maybe they feel like you've been trying them, Lord, and they realize they don't have the faith they need to have, Lord God, that, Father, you just speak to the heart, Lord. Maybe, Father, they can get right with you right now, Lord, and say tomorrow, starting today, I'm going to live for you, Lord, and I'm going to be more courageous, more dedicated, and I want you to get the glory, Lord. And, Father, I pray if they pray a prayer like that, Lord God, if they got a a heart like that, Father, Father, I pray you just come in, Lord God, and do something great in their life, Lord God. And I thank you for using men and women, Lord God, to get the glory. And Father, uh, I don't have anything to glorify about, Lord. I just All I have is you, and I glorify you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at indiangapbaptist.com. If you prayed something similar to that we'd love to hear from you you can contact us at indiangapbaptist.com and god bless you and, and until next time casting all your care upon him.